Cálmate, mijo. Cálmate, mijo. Cálmate. Cálmate. Cálmate, mijo. Cálmate, mijo. Somos real latinos. Hola y bienvenidos a Real Latinos. My name is Ismael. This is Guti. ¿Qué pasó? ¿Qué pasó, mi gente? And this is Ron. ¿Qué tal? And we are Real Latinos, a podcast covering Latin American movies because nobody else will. Uh, big announcement uh, for the podcast. So, uh, little little bird on the street. It told me that we that there's a there's a Latin American superhero movie coming out. A Latin American superhero movie called Blue Beetle. And it is our duty and our honor to cover this movie. So uh, tune in in two weeks. Make sure that you go watch Blue Beetle in theater. Support. Support Blue Beetle. Um, I know that there's a, a strike Freaking going on right now in terms go. of, uh, you know, uh, uh, promoting movies and stuff. So they they can't really do the promotion. But we need to make sure that this movie does well so that, you know, we can get more stories like this. So we will be covering. Yeah, it's, so they'll yeah. keep making them. So that they'll stop canceling them for attacks oh, right exactly. now. God. It's our time R.I.P. now, baby. Girl. It is R.I.P. our Becker. time. It is. And so Fucking what's go. that? What's that? Uh, <laughs> that Twitter thing? What's it called? The uh, Blue Beetle Battalion or something like that? What, oh yeah, Blue Pe- yeah, Blue Beetle Battalion. Yeah. Uh, heck Hashtag yeah. We're part of the blue- use it. Yeah, we're we're here for it. We're here for it. Um. So yeah. In so in a couple of weeks. We're going to be covering Blue Beetle, so make sure you go buy your ticket right now. You can actually buy it right now. I already have my ticket uh, with AMC A-list, so uh, make sure you go watch Blue Beetle in IMAX if you can. But it's, it's, Plus, can we talk about how we always get all the swag? Like, have you seen all the stuff Cinemark's putting out, right? Ooh, they're putting out a plush baby. doll. They're putting out freaking a popcorn bucket. <laughs> two I different get that types popcorn of, bucket. like, large cups. Come on. We get all the good stuff. Latinos mm. know how to party. They know how to mm-hmm. have a good time. Let's go out there. Let's go watch Blue Beetle. Let's support Angel Manuel Soto and this amazing cast. Let's freaking do it. Let's freaking go. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited uh, to to watch this movie. I've um, anytime I'm at the theater and the trailer comes up, I just uh, close my ears and shut my eyes, and I really hope not to <laughs> see anything. No spoilers. Um, but but on top of that, not only are we going to be watching Blue Beetle. So that's going to be our episode 17 of the season, uh, Blue Beetle. So not next week, but the week after. And then the week after that, uh, we will be doing a special episode of five different films. And these five films, oh no, actually six. Five, we'll be covering five to six uh, films because <laughs> they are nominated for the Ariel Awards. The Ariel Awards um are nominations that are given through the uh, Mexican Academy of uh, Motion Pictures. Uh, you may have heard of them earlier in the year when they announced that they might not have a, a ceremony. I think this happened last season for Real Latinos, and we talked about how Guillermo del Toro was like, you know what, uh, we got to make this show happen. And he said he would personally donate like statuettes and stuff to be able to have the ceremony happen. And the ceremony is going to happen now. The ceremony will be happening and it's going to be happening in uh, Guadalajara, uh, which is Guillermo del Toro's, um, you know, hometown. So, uh, dink, I don't think so. But we will be covering those five films. And those five films are as follows. Actually, um, we'll put a letterbox list of those five films so that you can see which ones they are so you can watch them along with us. But if you do not have a letterbox, these are the films that we're talking about. We're going to be talking about Bardo, Falsa Crónica de Unas Cuantas Verdades. Uh, we actually have a whole episode on that, so check that out. We'll be covering Huesera, uh, a movie that I've been raving about since the beginning of the year. Uh, we're going to be covering El Norte Sobre el Vacío. Uh, Northern Skies Over Empty Space. We'll be covering uh, La Caída or Dive. We'll be covering La Civil. And we will be covering uh, Ruido. Ruido uh, or Noise. 
So you can catch all of these as follows. So Bardo, you can catch on Netflix. Huesera, you can catch on Shutter. It's a Shutter exclusive right now. El Norte Sobre el Vacío, you can catch on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, La Caída or Dive, you can also catch on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, noise, Ruido, you can catch that one on Netflix, just like Bardo. And lastly, La Civil, I think, is going to be the hardest ones that we uh, try to find. I don't seem to have anywhere we can find it on streaming so this is why we might be covering five to six <laughs> movies uh so we'll do our best to keep you all updated about where you can watch la civil uh in our social media handles which you can follow at real latinos which is at r-e-e-l-l-a-t-i-n-o-s we are on instagram threads uh x slash twitter whatever you want to call it um we're everywhere so we would update y'all if we find anywhere that you can watch La Civil. We're going to be doing our very best to be able to watch it. So go ahead and watch those movies with us. And then our episode number 18, which is not this episode, not the next one, but two after the next one. Uh, episode 18, we will be covering the Ariel Award nominations um, because when we release our episode, like a couple days afterwards, is when the actual ceremony is. So we'll be doing our predictions. We'll be covering over uh, all the movies and like what it means of what, what's going on. Uh, something that we're definitely going to talk about is that uh, four out of the five uh, Best Picture nominees, all directed by female directors. Also, four of the five Best Director uh, picks are also all female directors. Only do there is Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, so it's going to be real tough for me to try and defend Iñárritu. Uh, you know, uh, dude's kind of kind of crazy. So, um, but Gonzalez Iñárritu is uh, the only uh, male uh, nominee. So, uh, yeah, very very exciting times for the Ariel Awards, and we are so excited to be able to cover it here on Real Latinos. Anyway, so let's get back to the show. Mm -hmm. Speaking of today's film, we're covering Clara Sola. This is a Costa Rican film from 2021. You could actually catch it over in the Criterion channel if you have a subscription. So make sure you go and watch that movie before you listen to the episode because we will be covering spoilers just like we do every single episode. So please, please, please go watch that movie, then come on back so you could listen to this episode. So, Costa Rican film, Clara Sola. Guti, why don't you go ahead and give us the historical context for this movie? Clara Sola is the feature film debut of Nathalie Alvarez Messen, who is of Costa Rican and Swedish descent. Messen was born in Sweden, but would move back to Costa Rica at the age of seven, where she would attend high school. She would then return to Sweden to pursue her BFA in mime acting, not a joke, at the Stockholm University of the Arts, before heading to Colombia to pursue her MFA. In an interview with the Era of Good Feeling blog ahead of the film's premiere at the 2021 Cannes... Oh, sorry, I gotta redo that. <clears throat> in an interview with the... <laughs> in, the in an interview with the... Oh, shit. In an interview <laughs> with the Era of Good Feeling blog ahead of the film's premiere at the 2021 Cannes Film Festival... Been working on my French, thank you very much. Messen stated that the idea of the character, Clara Sola came from different paintings and pictures, but the theme actually comes from her and co-writer Maria Camila Arias's experiences growing up in Latin America, and then taking some distance to see what they had been through, the community and the love, but also what restrictions and expectations there were, what they inherited from their mothers, their grandmothers, and how patriarchal norms were reproduced even if men were not there. <clears throat> Wendy Chinchilla, who plays the titular character Clara, is a non-professional actor and made her debut with this film. Messen mentioned that when she was writing the script, she had originally envisioned someone younger as Clara, but once the casting process began, she knew that she needed a dancer for the part and ultimately decided to cast Chinchilla. Messen would go on to be nominated for the Golden Camera or the Camera d'Or, at the Cannes mm. Film Festival, given to the best feature film, first feature film presented. It would also go on to garner further critical acclaim, including winning for best film, director, screenplay, cinematography, and sound at the Goldbodge Awards, which are the equivalent of the Academy Awards in Sweden. See, 
you listen to real Latinos and you learn something new and another film festival you've never heard of, but it exists. There we go. Overall, Clara Sola <laughs> provides a contemporary lens through which to examine historical and ongoing issues in Costa Rican society and in Latin America at large, including the clash between tradition and moder modernity. There we go. Tough word. Sorry. Gender inequality <laughs> and sexual repression. Wow. Guti really gunning for that French citizenship with these pronunciations. Very good. Very good, Guti. <laughs> and thank you so much for that historical context. I mean, I think it's kind of wild how this is um, Wendy's first, like, film. Because her performance, oh, man. Okay, we'll get into it right now. But uh, why don't we go on over to Ron? So, again, spoiler warning. So, go watch the movie before you watch, uh, listen to this episode. But, uh, Ron, go ahead and give us a synopsis for what happens in this movie. I didn't prepare one. I'm just going to read it straight off of Wikipedia. All right. <clears throat> In a remote Costa Rican village, 40-year-old Clara has a sexual awakening after a lifetime of repression. Clara lives with her tyrannical mother and her deceased sister's daughter, Maria, and her work consists mostly of taking care of the horse, Yuka, who only listens to her. Maria, who is close to her aunt, is about to turn 15 and has started dating a young man, Santiago. Young? Is he a young man? Is that what we're considering? Young? Anyway, I don't know. I don't um, think so. <laughs> Clara suffers from a curvature of the spine, but her mother will not allow her to get surgery, even though it would be covered by insurance, claiming she must keep her as God gave her. In addition, she treats Clara like a child and does everything she can to prevent her from having any pleasure, including sexual pleasure, by rubbing her fingers with chili peppers so masturbation will be painful, and reminding her that any such feelings are sinful. When she was young, Clara was supposedly visited by the Blessed Virgin Mary and has acquired a reputation as a mystic and a faith healer. She is occasionally called upon to bless people in a room her mother equipped with shrines and chairs for visitors. One of Clara's gifts is knowing the secret name of animals and people. As the story progresses, Clara finds friendship with Santiago and appears to develop feelings for him. After she sees him and her niece having sex, she goes to the forest to pleasure herself and stays out all night. When she comes back, her mother prays for Clara's sexual feelings to be taken away by God, and after prayer burns her hand on a candle. Another crisis builds when the mother tries to sell the horse to pay for her granddaughter's quinceanera. Clara sends the horse away and then bathes in the river with Santiago and they embrace. She tells him her secret name, Sola. Later, she takes Maria's birthday dress and runs away to Santiago, who takes her back, but the dress is ruined. At the quinceanera, drama ensues when Clara is told a dead mare was found by the river, in a daze, he tries to kiss Santiago, who finally repulses her somewhat forcefully, after which Clara causes a ruckus, and the party is disrupted further by a minor earthquake. The next day, Clara sets fire to the shrine in her house, watches the Madonna burn, and then runs away as the room and then the house catch fire. Her family thinks she is still inside. She keeps running and ends up at the river, where she bathes once with Santiago. A series of pops in her back suggest her spine is moving back into place, and in the forest, Clara sees Yuka looking at her. After a shot of the deserted river bend, the screen fades to black. Thank you, Wikipedia. Wow. I mean, what a synopsis, Ron. One of the longer synopses that we've had here on the show. <clears throat> and um, we got to thank Wikipedia for that because thank Wikipedia. Thank you, Ron. Um, yeah, what a movie. What a movie. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would say we go into respective histories, but I think um, this is a first for all of us, right? I think this is the first Costa Rican Direct film that I watch. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you count Jurassic Park, me too. <laughs> wow. Uh, is Steven Spielberg Latino? Uh, someone's oh. got to go check the book. I haven't done one of those in a while. Yeah. So, nope. yeah, we got to launch another investigation. Uh, so, check uh, Esteban, Esteban Spielberg. So, uh, yeah, first, first Costa Rican film for me. Um, so, very excited to get into it. Uh, yeah, so l let's go over some of these major points. So some of the ones that I wanted to talk about was Clara, the, the, the character itself. Um, I also wanted to talk about uh, sexual repression and religion and nature. But what else do y'all want to talk about on this movie? Um, Cinematography? Yeah, probably cinematography. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Horses, mm -hmm. fire. So what else, sorry? Trains. Trains. Trains again. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say that horse, though. Or animal actors in general. Wait, what type of train are we talking about? Whoa, Guti, what's going on, <laughs> That's man? Getting cut. Oh For my sure. God, stays stays in, stays in, just like. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna say it. But... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, 
That's also getting cut. This whole thing. Though I do like us talking about like the themes, like or like what major points we want to talk about all together. Because we did it one episode and it sounded nice, but um good lord. Man. Guti's out here all horned up. You guys keep talking about things getting cut, and I just want to make a circumcision joke. Oh, nice. Oh god. Uh for the listener, this is after hours with real Latinos. We are recording this later than usual, so I think this is a <laughs> we are just running on fumes right now. Um yeah. Wow. Anyways. Um, okay, so right now for major points, I have Clara the character, sexual oppression, religion, and nature, the cinematography, uh, the horses, and animal actors. Um, I think that's good. If there's anything else that y'all want to talk about, please let me know. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. So, first thing I think we should talk about is uh, Clara, the titular character, Clara or Sola, because um, that is her uh, secret name that she that she. Uh, says i think it's really interesting that we have this character for clara i think this is probably one of the first characters that we have that is possibly on the spectrum am i correct in saying that for any of these shows yeah i think that's pretty obvious that that was the intent yep yeah um there's like a lot of like sensory overload uh for her as well especially when she's like going through like the uh the laundry that's hanging up you know and she's just like talking about how it feels and um yeah, I think um, this might be the first character that we have is, that is on the spectrum, which I think is a really interesting choice. Um, and I think that uh, Wendy does a fantastic job uh, with what's 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 given. I don't know about y'all, but I think that it's done really, really well. And um, yeah, so let's talk about Clara. Clara, uh, I feel so bad for her. Oh my gosh, the scoliosis that she has that she needs to get fixed. Um and like the absolute pressure that she has to be like, you know, the Virgin Mary, insane. So like, I just feel, I just feel so so much for this character. So, um, thoughts on Clara? Thoughts on Clara the character? Anyone? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely felt for her. Um, like the the scene like that immediately comes to my head right now is, for example, when she's like, you know, she sees in the rearview mirror, mirror um, that whoever it was has her hand you know outside the truck and is just kind of going with the wind right as the, mm, the truck oh, moves along yes and she you know tries to put her head out you know tries to do the same thing and her grandma was like no 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 you can't do that at all you know so yeah like just immediately from there you can kind of see how she's entrapped um i know that we're also going to talk about the cinematography but um there was one particular shot too which was like also kind of deals with the entrapment of Clara is that when you know all the people come to reunite to that first prayer gathering and they all mm. kind of like stick their hands out towards her right it's almost like they're making a barrier and like she's entrapped mm. in that circle and she can't get out so like the symbolism and kind of like the metaphors that um Natalie uses in here are just incredible and it just all adds layers to like you know, Clara's character and her not feeling comfortable with what's being done to her and why she can't do whatever she wants to, right? And mm-hmm. for me, like, obviously, I'm a guy, so coming from a guy's Wait, perspective. But, <laughs> but if I had a daughter, um, something that would be, like, super important to me would be, like, you know, do whatever you want to do, right? Like, express or, express yourself if you want to put makeup on, put makeup on, right? And I hope that, you know, if, you know, I hope that if anyone were, if she were to feel for herself, like she needed to do something for her to feel confident in her own self, then I would totally 100% support that. And it just seems like at every turn, her mother just completely, or grandmother just completely stifles that. Um, mm-hmm. So I just hope, you know, like, any woman who's kind of like watching this, they would never do anything that's kind of like because society says that you have to do it, right? Do it because mm-hmm. you actually want to do it. And it kind of reminded me too, like, you know, there's always that big complex argument with like whether people should do plastic surgery and stuff like that. So it gets really complex and I really enjoyed the fact that that's brought into her her character um, and it's kind of explored here. What about you, Ron? Yeah. Um... I thought the performance was fantastic. Um, yep. I like, uh, I, I think she really, I, again, 
you know, not having seen her in anything else, um, you know, I don't really have much, much else to go on, but, um, but yeah, like she definitely seemed to, to disappear in, into the character. Um, not just like the mindset, but like, you know, like the fact that her, her spine's curved and like, there's a certain physicality to the, the way she walks, the way she hunches her shoulders, mm-hmm. um, things like that, that I was, I was really impressed by, um, with the character itself. One of the things that like depicting people that are neurodivergent is, can, can be kind of dicey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I, you know, I kind of like, I try not to, um, look too much at reviews and stuff before we, um, before we discuss things, because I don't want anything to like to sway my opinion. But I did, you know, I thumbed through Letterboxd a little bit, and um, I know that there was a little a, a bit of pushback as, as far as like the depiction, because oh, wow. I know that um, you know so, sometimes when um, when you depict people like um, you know on on the spectrum, um, you know it's it's maybe not the the truest of mm. of, um, of of depictions, and I I know. In particular, too, it's, you know, and there's, like, you know, um, autistic people aren't the only ones that, that, um, that deal with this in media, but, like, there's, like, a, like, magical news to this, a magical, you know, aspect to, to them, or, or, or however you want to put it, um, mm. you know, like, and persons of color and indigenous people tend to, like, you know, be, be put in the same box a lot of times, so, um, I, I personally didn't really read that much in 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 this but um i think uh i think a lot of what w- was depicted was um like the the grandmother's views yeah. versus you know like reality or however and like anything else that was seemingly metaphysical was more i, I think it was more metaphorical yeah than actually supposed to be taken literally yeah. but um but i understand and i appreciate like as you know i i've had discussions with my own therapist i've i've never I haven't like actually been tested and diagnosed or anything, but I have strong suspicion suspicion that I'm, you know, on the spectrum a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, and even in this, there were certain things that like I, I identified with, with, with her behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just like, it felt really real to me that as far as like, um, how, how the character was written, how her story was told. The, the thing that stood out to me is it was the dichotomy of like, um, like her, wanting to explore her own sexuality and everything but you know not being allowed to even though she's you know well into adulthood regardless of you know um you know like her mental capabilities mm-hmm. or however you want to put it um set against her niece's quinceanera mm-hmm. and like i again i am not the best person to be talking about any of these things. Are you also I a know... dude, Ron? <laughs> I, I, I have a few friends, you know, that when it came time, they kind of like told their families that they didn't want to have quinceaneras because they felt like it was an archaic patriarchal practice. Um, and I'm not like, I'm not an expert on uh, on any of that, but um, but I, I found like keeping that in mind, I found that interesting that you know. Um, that it was, uh, there was a dichotomy of like her being repressed, yet there was also this this young person that was quote unquote blossoming into womanhood. Um, but I know that sometimes it's argued like whether or not that's still appropriate in this day and age and, and things like that. So that's that's what I found the most interesting mm. uh, about it. But uh, again, I am not really the right person to, <laughs> to dissect all of that. Yeah. But uh, Ismail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, back to me. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think uh, both of y'all have uh, great points. I did want to piggyback off what Guti was saying too about like obviously like this this theme of enclosure and like entrapment. I mean, even in the very first open like in the opening shot of her like reaching out for Yuka the 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 horse, and um, you know she's like oh like Benakan like cause she's not gonna cross that line you know like that line she's not meant to. Um, anywhere with like that that a purple purple ribbon i think it's uh uh she's like not supposed to go which i'm realizing right now like that the fact that you know it's a purple ribbon where she's not supposed to be going and then mm-hmm. when they're like painting her dress to be blue and it ends up purple you know and like that mm-hmm. purple like like that color that we've been seeing is like 
stay out like it's like now it's like totally in like covering her like she can't even like she cannot leave her own body like it's it's crazy so um man i'm just i'm realizing that right now uh, so uh yeah i think um there's loads to say about this this character i also want to talk about what ron was talking about with um you know like the other isms of uh, of people and how people can be seen as like magical or something like that uh rather than just like you know people and um i think this uh like the whole idea of like being magical and stuff i also like plays into the idea of um of a um of like what's going on with with the grandma and how she sees Clara and how they're saying like oh Clara yeah. is you know la Virgencita Maria la, the Virgin Mary is is um she like la pareció like that she she's like she came to Clara you know and like making her you know like she's put in a position where now she's being told like like okay you're gonna be this symbol for us right and anything that you do we're gonna be uh like i don't know seeing it under a microscope like when she goes and like just to play in the mud you know she's literally just laying down she comes back and they're like oh my gosh what have you done and then she says oh uh Maria, she told me to and they're like oh okay yeah and they like they like make sense of it of of what she of why she does the things that she does and um yeah i don't know i i think um another thing about about like entrapment is like that that uh uh corset that she's wearing oh my gosh that looked like it's part of the devil dude like it was so so sad to see her like in this like she's like no please no i don't want to be in this and um they're like no no you have to you have to and like her spine's all messed up and i'm pretty sure that is not helping her whatsoever i mean the doctor literally says like oh that thing if it hasn't yeah. helped you now then i don't know what to tell you like you, you have to get the surgery now um and yeah being told like no you can't do surgery because like i see you de dios and stuff and um and then uh what's her face la the the niece what's her name maria uh yeah maria she's like oh well then if that's true then why did why did i get break my teeth should Mm -hmm. be totally like messed up and the grandma's like oh that's different it's like oof, Mm -hmm. my gosh what a what a moment what a moment in the movie i really thought that was pretty powerful um yeah me too but yeah i just feel really bad for clara and like the way that she is just like again entrapped she is otherized she um she gets like this huge pressure of being like uh like the virgin mary which it has to do with again we'll get into right now but like this whole sexual repression and how like she's not supposed to do anything about exploring her own body her own sexuality um because she is like like totally tied into this iconography of uh the virgin mary there's so many um uh pictures of the virgin mary everywhere they have an altar for the virgin mary they have it everywhere even like the light that she has in her room is the virgin mary i was like oh my gosh like this is um i know latinos are uh, religious but this is like on another (laughs) level like this is everywhere um And I understand why they have it like that because, you know, the grandmother has like told herself and told others that, um, you know, this is, this is who she is. And so like, it's a, yeah, man, it's wild. It's really, really wild. So, um, but I think that's also a really good transition point into, uh, the other thing that we wanted to talk about, which was, um, the whole idea of like the sexual repression and the religion aspect of it. And I also wanted to talk about the nature part here, because I do think that like, you know, um, you know, whether we like it or not, whether you like it, the listener or not, like, uh, you know, the idea of sex has been here for, you know, eons, you know, like since the beginning of time. And, uh, it is very, very natural. Right. And, the fact that she's like being totally sexually repressed, uh, whether it be because she is, um, uh, like has whether whether it be because she has the pressures of being like the Virgin Mary, or because she's on the spectrum and like they're trying to like overprotect her and like like make, basically like keep her in in shackles of like of what she can and can't do, um, you know, there's a big like theme here about nature the like her connection to nature um the beautiful shots of nature that we have here and i think it's just like another way that the director is showing us that you know like sex is natural and um she is 
you know, Clara is a natural person. She's she's just like every other person, and she should also have like that ability to explore her uh, sexual self. And um, I think it's just the. Uh, I mean, it could also be specifically about you know women uh, in general being like sexually repressed and like how uh uh the patriarchy has made it so that you know women are not supposed to have any like uh sexual wants or desires and things like that like to the point that clara can't even sh see uh, a show where two people are kissing and uh the boy has a computer just for porn and it's like what the <laughs> like, you know uh, so like it's um you know, there's like a lot to talk about here with this. Um, I'm not like Ron. I like to see some things before uh, uh, covering the movie just to like get a feel about what other things have been said. I try to write down everything I have beforehand. So I try to like keep myself grounded into my original opinion. But a lot of their conversation that goes around this movie is about that sexual repression. So, um, yeah, let's 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 talk about it. Uh, Guti, this is your pick. So we'll start with you again. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a little bit into sexual repression, but also kind of the what you're talking about, like the nature and environment. Like I think the where she's located, you know, somewhere here in, in Costa Rica, is very much also a character in the film, right? Like she's completely continuing to interact with with the earth. I, I feel like that's when she feels the most free. I mean, if we were in the middle of the jungle, right? Like we would probably feel the most free being there but at the same time it's very much still the place that keeps her repressed it's still a very isolating place you know place right and like you see examples of that like her counting the houses and it's like not a lot of people who live in that area right um so i feel like that mm -hmm. all kind of just heightens the the mood of this isolation and this repression that the character is feeling so i feel like the the nature also plays as a character here or like just at least guiding her on what she needs to do. And then a uh, kind of another fun fact that popped into my head when you were talking as well is uh yuca, right? Like for our non Spanish speaking friends, it's basically a, a root that's like used in like biberon and a bunch of other, you know, Latin American mm -hmm. dishes. So literally you have again, there kind of the metaphor of like root, you know, it's the earth that's grounded, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I, I really, uh, I really think that the nature here is, is playing another character, um, in the film. And then as far as like the sexuality, sexual repression goes, um, yeah, I mean, it's still a very much like, I, I know in Latin America, it's probably still a very taboo subject. Hell, it's still a taboo subject in films. Like you, mm -hmm. you, I mean, if you've been on x quote unquote x uh any amount of time or instagram like huh. you see people on social media fighting over like oh well was that sex scene really necessary in that film right okay. does it really add anything to the character and at the end of the day there's i'm not saying that all films are necessarily right in showing certain you know sex scenes but it is natural it is a part of a character it's a part of who we are so um but it's still very much a taboo front um and so it kind of makes sense that not only within the latin american context that i'm that i think the director is trying to get at here it's also a, you know a broader topic um in the world as well wow. um in different cultures um but yeah i i don't know ron what do you what do you think yeah well i like a lot of it reminded me of uh, it's a moment down actually because like that's there was a lot of sexuality in this movie but it wasn't sexy mm -hmm. for, for for lack of a better term you know it was it, it did it, it served a purpose like it was you know story driven it wasn't meant to you know um it wasn't erotic um you know the the sex scenes that there there were um you know like it, it wasn't meant to like to, to turn on the viewer it was just meant to like you know uh convey a, a point in the story and then there was also um there were several points where, where they showed uh, nudity in the film, but it wasn't uh, the same thing. Like it, it wasn't um, object objectifying in any way. It was, you know, um, kind of just to, to show who Claire's character was and like her relationship to her body, mm -hmm. um, which, uh, which I thought was done very effectively, effectively and very tastefully. Um, and then uh, as far as everything else goes, like I, it's, it's so difficult discussing 
stuff like this. Um, and not, not just because, you know, not just because we're, you know, three dudes, dudes. you know, living in the United States, (laughs) you know, um, and we're not, you know, we're so far removed from so many aspects of like where, where and who the story is centered Mm on. Um, but just like, like, I think about it, like, you know, we all, whatever's presented to us, whatever's depicted, you know, like we're obviously going to have our own pre-existing biases, you know, coming into it. Um, and like one of, when you, when you, when you study anthropology, one of the first things that you're taught is, is the concept of cultural relativism, which is essentially like just the idea that whatever like culture and society you come from, like, it's not necessarily the right one. Mm. So like, I try and keep that in mind when I like, when I hear about other cultures that like, you know, are driven by religion or, you know, like how, if they're more or less patriarchal than the one that I come from, like stuff like Mm. that. And so even though like, like the, you know, like it's, it's, it's really easy for us to, to vilify the, the, you know, the, the mother in, in this, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but, um, and I'm not like defending her in any way, but like, she's definitely like a product of, you know, the, the community that she's, that she's in. And so like, like it's hard for me to condemn. Right. Even though like. Even though she does e- make her though, put her like, fingers in chiles and stuff, so she right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But like, even like, even if I don't agree with it, like, like, and I don't understand where she's coming from, like, it's it's hard for me just to out and out be like, you know, that's 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 wrong. I mean, it's it's wrong, but like, you know, so, um, yeah, like I see it as as, as kind of messed up. Um, it, it's it's hard to like really dissect it again, like especially because I'm so far removed from like where they're coming from, mm-hmm. um. But that being said, like I'm in in general, like a very sex positive person. And like I think that, you know, like we we come from a very, very repressed uh, country, mm-hmm. a very repressed society. Mm-hmm. And um, and so like even, you know, like there's even though this takes place in rural Costa Rica, I see a lot of stuff that probably would not be out of place even in, you know, like certain parts of metropolitan areas that, that we're familiar with. Um, and it like, I think, you know, if anything, it just serves to like draw attention to that, that this is how, you know, people are treated and maybe we should like be aware that, you know, I, I don't know, like if it, like one, one of my favorite books is a book called Perv by Jesse Baring that, um, it kind of just like talks about how, um, like all the stuff that we, we think is, is taboo and like the, the, the stuff that we, we think about like sexuality wise, um, is probably a lot more commonplace than, than we realize it is that society has led us to believe. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the movie definitely made me think about stuff like that. And as far as the religious aspect of it, like I can't really, even though I was baptized Catholic, like religion was never a part of my upbringing. Mm. Um, I do like, like I know a lot of people of a lot of different faiths and like, and a lot of people like that their, their faith is a big part of who they are yet. Like the way they act maybe doesn't mm, always seem, I know you know, what you mean. like, yep, yep, yep. And, and vice versa. So like, that's also like, I, even though I'm not religious, I also have a hard time sometimes with like, um, with, uh, with media that like vilifies religion in, in general. Right. Um, because like, I know that's, that's a very one-sided way of looking at it. Like I, I know a lot of people that get a lot of really positive things about, you know, their faith. Um, but again, <laughs> at the same time, I also know that like a lot of the worst things in the world are done in the name of, of God yeah. or, or, or whatever. So yeah. Um, I just, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know if I have a strong opinion one way or the other on anything that's depicted in it. Like, I don't, again, I don't know that I'm the right person to speak on it. Um, I do appreciate how thought provoking it was, at least for me. Mm-hmm. One thing that I do think was a little off though, is how old Santi is. How old is Santiago here? Because he, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing having sex with Maria. That was a little that was out of left yeah, field so, for me. I don't know if this again, is like though, 25 or like. Yeah. You know. That's one of those things yeah. that like, that's easy for us to say where we're from. But, right. you know, I mean, again, the Quinceanera, like. 
the whole idea of yeah, down to bare essentials the whole idea is, is you yeah, know to be uh, becoming a woman, you know. So yeah, yeah. I mean, At fifteen, you're ready for yeah, and you're I ready to get you know, married, you're ready to be a wife. Essentially. Yeah, and then just so, based off of you know just friends that I have in Latin America, I know that the the laws are also different there than they are here. Right. So that's, mm-hmm. I mean, right. I, again, I don't know what Costa Rica's laws are. I'm just saying based off of my experiences mm-hmm. with my friends who come from other yeah. Latin American countries, I know it's very yeah. different. And again, not supporting, yeah. not condemning. Exactly. Just, <laughs> you know, not, just, just, yeah. this is yeah. what I've been told and I'm yeah. communicating yeah. said information. Do with it what yeah. you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also on the topic of like, uh, 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 the quinceanera. I thought the that jump or that 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 cut from uh, seeing Maria switching over to her heels and then immediately looking at like Clara's flats and how she, like she has never gotten that princess treatment. Right. She has never gotten um like this quinceanera. She's never gotten like that sort of positive attention. I was like, wow, that was really great. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know incredible. if you if you noticed, but the the needle drop that um that the director puts there it's it's claire de lune by debussy oh yeah yeah yeah. And, oh, was and, it? It is. and literally okay. like that song is like about inter- like a journey of introspection and stuff like that so it's mm-hmm. it's very okay. fitting for the yeah like he like that needle drop was really great and then when she comes back from the bathroom um it's basically playing the theme or like the traditional song for sleeping beauty so mm, yeah. That's what, yeah okay that's the yeah. one yeah once upon a dream was yeah. in there i, know, I did yeah. notice so, that i did yeah. not notice that yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. So that, there's some really good needle drops in the quinceanera for sure yeah. that i noticed because yeah. and i and i didn't like yeah like i knew the claire de lune one but the sleeping beauty one i didn't know because you know i hear i hear a song and i'm like well every choice the director makes i've been told in a film is on purpose <laughs> well sometimes there's stuff that isn't on purpose but you know, everything can have a meaning, right? Yeah. So I like, <laughs> yeah. immediately sound talented it. And I was like, oh, yeah, the scene from Sleeping Beauty. Ooh. So there you go. Yeah, I didn't know it was from Sleeping Beauty, but I did know uh, the Debussy song, the Claire de Lune. Um, Claire de Lune might be one of the best songs ever written of all time. It's oh, yeah, that It's one of my favorites. Like, honestly, I know it's really hard to choose, like, a favorite song. But, I mean, if I was, like, you know, locked in a room and they said, you got to write down your top five songs that'd probably be on it i mean i love that song i mean they um, use that so, like slightly off topic they use that song for the federico fellini um bo- criterion box set trailer and like mm. i immediately bought it so there you amazing go. amazing you know, it's also go. on everything it's everywhere all at once i know I mean, it's a it's, it's a also song. in uh darjeeling limited <laughs> Also, it, uh, I haven't seen that movie. Yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. This is now a yeah. Claire de Lune podcast because uh, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be a pretty cool. Yeah, every movie that uses that song. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I always get it confused with Rhapsody in Blue. Uh, so. Oh yeah. my god, the completely different song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I know. But uh, yeah, uh-huh. Rhapsody in Blue also a good song. Um, yeah. But, Which was the one they used at the end of Ocean's Eleven? I'm pretty sure that's Claire de Lune, isn't it? That is it, right? Sure yeah. It's okay. Loon, yeah. I haven't yeah. watched that movie in forever. I just watched uh, it at TCM. I'm pretty sure it's Color to Loon, if I remember. Flex on us. Oh, yeah. yeah. TCM fest. Damn, dude, dude. I mean, yeah. gotta flex <laughs> yeah. it when I can, you know. And I can't believe you didn't go to the Exorcist. <laughs> uh, R.I.P. William Friedkin. Also, uh, I know. Yeah. What, I know. A, what a moment. Yeah. None of this is staying. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, back anyways, to back to Claire to Loon. Back to Claire to Loon. Um. So yeah, uh, absolutely fantastic needle drop, and um, yeah, I mean, but I, I yeah, the the I I really I really enjoyed everything that was being done here. Um, I really enjoyed. Uh, I mean, I did not enjoy enjoy seeing poor Clara and like getting her fingers dipped yeah. in chile. I did not like it seeing her, <laughs> her hands burning. Like I thought that was insane, yeah. but. Should double feature this with Carrie. Uh, okay, yes. I, I was thinking someone. of this exact same thing. I, I was literally mm-hmm. thinking, like, this is a perfect double feature with Carrie. One being much more dramatic, one being much more horrific. But, like, it's just, mm-hmm. wow. Good good shout, Ron. Good shout. Thank you very much. I have it in my notes, but I didn't think I was going to say it. But, Ron, thank you. Yes, <laughs> double feature with Carrie. Fantastic. Um, is Brian De Palma Latino? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, two in one, two in one episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. De Palma, yeah, yeah, yeah. What palm tree did he fall from? You know, so we got to get Brian on the show. Uh, so, but from there, I also wanted to go over to the cinematography. I mean, absolutely incredible 
work here. I had it in my notes. Um, I don't know what it is about the lighting or color grading, but it looks gorgeous. I thought everything here looked amazing. There's one shot that I really wanted to point out. Um, I'm sure that y'all caught it, but like the camera movements here were all obviously very purposeful, especially this one where, uh, again, it's in that scene, uh, Gute, that you were talking about uh, earlier, where um, it's the first time that all the people come over to her house and they're all like reaching out to her, right? But in this moment, she's reaching out to someone else and the camera is yeah. like across the hallway and then the camera moves a bit and it obscures Clara, but you can still see her arm like to blessing the man, like her arm and the hand, but her face and her torso are replaced with the painting of the Virgin Mary. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. baby, what a friggin' <laughs> camera move. I loved it so much. It was absolutely gorgeous. Um, and uh, the other one that I wanted to shout out was the um, the shot of her at the base of the tree when she's masturbating after seeing uh, Santiago and Maria. But after she's done, uh, like everything looks so gorgeous. Bugs are glowing. It's just, it looks absolutely, I mean, magical. Like it's, this is magical realism. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's incredible. It's honestly so beautiful. And I think everything here that shot is absolutely breathtaking. Um, so, yeah, who wants to who wants to take the baton for the cinematography? Because I, mean, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I 100% agree. Like that was the first thing that I noticed as soon as we you know started watching or I started watching this film, and the the moment that I loved, um, you know, I've uh, I've uh, shared my love for the water and the ocean on this podcast well, uh, plenty of times, well, 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 and uh, yeah. that one scene where they're in the truck. And they start racing the, Ooh, the, the yes. yeah the raindrops down the windshield. I was like, I played that game a, so many times. I'm, yeah, a <laughs> if I make a movie, I'm stealing that. B, it was just, just absolutely beautiful, and it just goes to show you like how much detail is being put into every single shot. Like every shot feels like it has a purpose. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it just it just blew me away how beautiful like she was able to kind of not mold nature but kind of work with nature to get these shots you know and get them just absolutely perfect to you know mm. tell the story of Clara. so yeah i mean yeah. i was absolutely blown away with uh the cinematography here actually what's the, what's the name of the cinematographer i want to give her a shout out um oh here uh, we go name so, of the cinematographer sophie Winkf- winkfist winkfist yeah i think that's pronounced correctly sophie uh, winkfist sophie winkfist yeah w-i-n-q-v-i-s-t yeah yeah i guess she shot pleasure which is the that 2021 oh, that came out film. like last year or two years ago yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't think i've gotten around to it but yeah she absolutely shot the lights out here like it's it's insane and i, I think a lot of the lighting too I don't think it, I think a lot of it seemed like natural lighting to me. I'm, I'm sure they must have done something yeah. in post production, but yeah, a lot of it just looked like natural lighting. Didn't really look like they were they were playing around with a lot of with a lot of uh, lights. But mm-hmm. you know. how about you, Ron? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, same thing. I was really impressed with it. Um, I, both the the lighting and like the, the color palette and everything, but also um, yeah, the, the the choice of shots. Um, uh, you know, you smell, you brought up, well, I forget which one of you brought up, but one of you brought up the, the whole, like the changing of the shoes and then also like showing, mm-hmm. um, um, Claire mm-hmm. is at, at the same time, um, which also like calls to mind, you know, like I, I just, I just got out of Barbie a little bit ago. So like the whole, <laughs> like, you know, like putting this, this young girl in heels versus, you know, like the you know, there's, there's all sorts of stuff to dissect <laughs> there too. But, um, you know, but yeah, there's like the shot of like, um, the two sets of hands like up in the air oh, that um, was gorgeous too. by themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like a lot of stuff with like her and her and the horse and like the, the intimacy that she has with, with this animal, mm. um, was really well done. So, you know, yeah, I don't really have much to add, but it was, it, it was, it's a gorgeous looking film. Absolutely breathtaking. And I, I think that's what I also really like the color palette you, that you mentioned, Ron, I think everything here just looks divine. Like everything, Mm-hmm. All the colors, the way it's just—it's beautiful. It's absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous. Um, probably one of my favorite cinematography pieces that we've had on the show. Like seriously, I was just blown away with how beautiful everything looked. But, um, 
but also the way that the short that that horse was shot you that you were talking about ron uh yuka that horse was absolutely gorgeous and let's talk about the the animal actors because i think that that horse for yuka was outstanding i mean that horse uh especially especially the, the moment when uh yuka has to be uh, act like afraid and does not want to be on the truck i don't know if you remember that scene Santiago was trying to calm <laughs> yuka down and um uh uh clara is telling uh santiago like oh she doesn't want to be there like like tell her to come back um and the horse honestly looks absolutely mortified terrified to the point that i was like oh my god i really hope they did not like mess with the actual horse because it was it was so well done and um another animal actor that i wanted to shout out was that that beetle like i i thought it was Mm -hmm. i thought it was so well done. i don't know if it was cgi or not i i don't know but it looked it looked great it looked absolutely great. And um, the fact that they have the beetle like basically be dead and then Clara blows onto it and then starts to move and come alive. I was like, wow, like this is so well done. I don't know how she got these animals to act so well, but uh, she did it. She freaking did it. Man, it's so well, well done that she basically, you know, threw in a little reference there to a future episode of real latino so i mean it's, in, it's insane oh yeah. yeah yeah it is yeah <laughs> absolutely like she she knew she knew what she was doing <laughs> she knew that we'd cover it right now um <laughs> man what a beetle but this beetle was like greenish greenish blue yeah, yeah <laughs> so we're getting there we're getting there <laughs> um i mean i do think that like also and on like on the count of the horses do y'all think that clara dies at the end because they do say that like there's a dead um uh horse at the end of the river and then she goes to the river she sees yuka and then the final shot is that neither of them are there um what do you all think did you all get that at all i'm pretty sure it's probably a a big reading on the film but i don't know what do you all think yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously supposed to be ambiguous. Yep. You know, like you could read it as like she actually died in the fire. You could read it as you know, yeah, she went off to to live as a horse girl in the horse woods. Girl. You know, yep. like or, <laughs> or anything in between. I think it's just open to you know, like what you want it to mm. be uh, essentially. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I have a particular in- opinion one way or the yeah. other. I thought that it was like also Yuka being like. I- again i think yuka was like like the most natural and pure thing and i think it's like maybe clara like losing her purity because as soon as she finds out that like yuka might be dead you know things things like throw down you know what i'm saying and so um and it's also the moment when like she burns down the house which is uh you know maybe a loss of, of purity and innocence i don't know i'm not sure so yeah yeah uh yeah so i think those are all the major points that we wanted to touch on so guti this is your pick so why don't you go ahead and give us your final thoughts and your rating for clara sola uh yeah so i have some oh yeah so small points um i like the nice little homage there is in here to mulholland drive and rear window if you've watched either of those movies you know exactly what i'm talking about uh i won't elaborate Second, um, <laughs> second, uh, since we were talking about the ending, I don't, I don't know if I have like a, you know, a real, you know, kind of conclusion as to what, you know, that's all supposed to mean, but I will say that the cut to black and then you kind of hear the water sound yeah. in the end credits absolutely beautiful i mean it i mean it was it was fantastic fantastic ending and to me it kind of seemed like because i because i've always related water with healing so Mm. i i don't know maybe she she's healed maybe she's finally you know free right i mean she Um, literally it gets healed from her scoliosis right right. there so right which is i don't know if that was fantastic acting or not because like that same blog that i i kind of did some research on um they asked her that question like was that real was that cgi and like she was like oh the director won't let me know let's just say it was it was dancing which <laughs> i i don't you know i don't think it's literally dancing but at the same time like another thing we haven't talked about uh, or we didn't talk about during Clara's performance is kind of like or not well Cloud of the character, yeah, um, the character. but uh yeah. you know uh, wendy the, the Wendy actress. Chinchai, uh, Chinchia, 
the actress, kind of how she's able to kind of manipulate manipulate her body throughout this film and and kind of have that physicality, which um, I'm sure kind of played in with why the director wanted kind of a dancer because that's another form of expression that is just just isn't mm. purely through language. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, like I I love I love my blockbusters like. I love the mind-numbing stuff, uh, fun stuff. Um, you know, I'm a guy who's given Tommy Boy five stars, and I will fight you any day of the week on wow. that. Deservedly. Uh, exactly. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, some of my favorite films always kind of tend to be these ones that kind of challenge our societal norms, examine our societal norms, um, in kind of hopes of finding some truth in this, you know, this little thing called life. And I think that this film does it a plenty especially from the from the female perspective and kind of in the context of latin america um and costa rica itself um so for me uh, i think i'm gonna give this four stars but it's probably like if i had a very four and high a half, four stars it would be a four and a half um <laughs> I but see. i set these rules for myself and i'm uh, I'll, I'll go to the grave with them. Dang, to arbitrary them. rules <laughs> man i'm all about those half stars but I mean, yeah, I, I, I co-sign. Like, what a, what a great movie, honestly. The, um, yeah, and like that, that performance from Wendy Chinchiaraya. I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like we could talk about this for a long time, but like, honestly, her performance is insane. It's so insanely good, and uh, I do think, yeah, that that whole, I, I totally understand why. Um, uh, uh, Natalie Alvarez Mesen, she wanted to get a dancer for the role because it's a very physical, uh, involved role to be playing. So, yeah, yeah, it's insane, insane. Um, Ron, final thoughts and your rating for Clara Sola. Yeah, um, so I again acknowledging that I am very far removed mm. from you know who. Is being depicted you know, from from the people is. depicted in the yeah. story from where it takes place and, and things like that. So, I will say on a personal level, like while I didn't connect with it very much, there's a lot that I really appreciated, but I don't really know how to articulate it. Um, so I I did want to uh, spotlight a review from our friend Ian Layden, mm. uh, who is the co-host of the Criterion Connection podcast, because uh, they watched the movie um, back in March. And uh, I, I really appreciate their their review. And uh, I won't read the whole thing. I'll, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. But um, uh, Ian says, uh, speaking of Clara, she has been instructed that her desires and urges are ungodly and immoral, but that goes against the natural way of things. Our desires and sexuality, all of us, are beautiful and as natural as the moss that grows at the foot of rainforest trees. She is punished for pleasuring herself by the mutilation and poisoning of her hands, the very instruments by which we as agents of free will navigate the world around us. The tools with which we take what we want, create art, and express affection. The very things that aid us in our agency are wounded to incapacitate someone who has been largely stripped of any capacity. Um, yeah, I just wow. like, I don't know, that that articulates my, my thoughts on it better better than I can. Um, I thought that, uh, that the movie was really, really well made, really, really well acted. Um, I think that there's a lot of really poignant stuff depicted in it, really thought-provoking stuff. Um, and I, I think everybody should should give it a shot. I'm I'm at four stars for it. Four stars for Clara Sola. Wow. And also, what a freaking review from Ian. Yep. They really know how to write a review. <laughs> that was that was very well put. Oh my gosh. Killing it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely killing it. Um. So yeah, I mean, for me, I think the final stuff that we have here, um. I honestly had no clue that Clara was actually Maria Estilla until like, like, I don't know, 10 minutes into the film. And I was like, oh man, I can't believe they call her by her first name like all the time. Maria, oh, they go Clara, Clara, Clara. And then all the other tias, they call her tia. You know, and I'm just like, oh man, that's kind of messed up. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, is what it is. Uh, also, um, Maria straight up dissing Clara and then she dances with Santiago on the on the quinceañera. Ooh, that broke my heart. Absolutely heartbreaking. And on that, like when um she goes to the dance floor and the little girl wants to dance with her, and the mom's like, Oh no, no, don't dance with her. And the little girl says, like, oh, but what if she wants to dance? And I was like, Oh Uh man, that broke my heart. Absolutely broke my heart. That whole 
like quinceanera sequence just heartbreaking i felt so bad for her uh it is like carrie's uh uh prom you know so this is like absolutely it's insane i i felt so so bad for her um uh last two things is am i crazy or when she burns the virgin mary uh do the eyes move like i think the eyes were like like looking at one direction and as soon as she's on fire it looks like she's looking at the camera and i'm like oh my god this is freaking me out <laughs> i just i i thought it was very scary but um uh i don't know if any of y'all noticed that at all um go back i did rewind notice, the tapes but, i don't know yeah. but it was very very scary open to interpretation yep, 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 yep. Um, what, what have you done as well i don't know i don't know what i've done uh and i think the last point i wanted to make was um the fact that her pri- like her secret name is sola which is alone i was yep. oh my god <laughs> i just felt so horrible um I do think like it's obviously like it's a huge theme of the movie to the point that like the subtitles bring attention to it, even though those were not good subtitles. I mean, I guess it's good subtitles because it gives you more context of what Sola means in Spanish. Um, but uh, Criterion, what's up with those subtitles? Also, why were there no Spanish subtitles? I have a bone to pick with the subtitles anyways. But anyways. Um, I watched it on Amazon, uh, so it, was, it, was, it seemed fine right. to me. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah the, the subtitles for it, they, they, like, they said like, oh, sola, like alone, when in reality, that's not what Santiago says. Yeah, I know, um, I know, I know, like, off topic a little bit, but I know Criterion, like, basically, like, whoever they license it from, they, they just use what, you know, whatever, yeah, whatever, they, whatever they're given. But I know also yeah. in the past... Mm-hmm that they've had a lot of issues with putting subtitles on their actual physical media discs. Now they do, but in mm. the past they, they didn't in people, you know, obviously cause it leaves out a lot Up of in arms. individuals that need it. Yep. Yep. But uh, yeah, I just think overall it was incredibly well done, incredibly well made. Um, and I'm sitting at like at the start of this conversation, I think I was at like around a four stars, but I'm like four and a half stars right now. I really, really loved it. Um, just talking about it with y'all just felt really good. Um, you know, going through all the themes and stuff. And I just thought it was incredible. So yeah, what a movie, what a friggin' movie. Clara Sala. Uh, yeah. So I think that about does it for our feature presentation. Um, if you want to talk to us about any, uh, if you want to talk to us about, uh, Clara Sola or any of the movies that we've covered here on Real Latinos, you can go ahead and send us an email over at reallatinos at gmail.com. That's R-E-E-L-L-A-T-I-N-O-S at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us. Can I say something real yeah, quick? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. So I, like, I made, I've, I make jokes periodically about like, you know, the, the few people that listen to us and how most of them are usually just Ismail. It is, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like even even our lowest listened episodes are way more than I ever I expected. Like we, we would reach and then like the ones that are like our top ones, like like the thought that, you know, anything that we put out would reach triple digits is just astounding yeah, to me. Um, <laughs> so I just, well, I know Ismail thanks the listeners at the end of every episode, but like really like we're so appreciative to, to all of you that listen to Absolutely. us. Cause I know like it, I, I joke about how, you know, like, Oh no, nobody's going to watch the movies, but like on, on top of it, like to still listen to us. Cause I know I have a thing about like, I don't like, I, I follow a lot of movie podcasts, but I tend not to, you know, listen to the episode if I haven't seen the movie. Same. So, um, the fact that anyone listens to us, whether or not they've seen the movie, like we, we appreciate a lot and we appreciate that you're like here for us and you, you support us and, and stuff. So, you know, I, I, I joke, but I, we, we know you're there and we, we really appreciate you. And I just wanted to acknowledge that. Yeah, we absolutely love you. Thank you so much for, uh, giving us the support because I know that, yeah, I, I'm the same way. I do not listen to episodes if I have not watched the movie. And I know that these movies can be uh, hard to find. Um, they are foreign films, so I know that people don't usually watch too many foreign films. But uh, thank you so much for like being with us for this journey because I really enjoy what we're doing. And I'm really glad that y'all are joining us along the way. So um, if you want to make us cry and, and send us a lovely <laughs> email, make sure to send it over to readlatinos.gmail.com. Uh, or you can also reach out to our social media handles, which is on 
uh, Instagram and Twitter slash X and threads and all that stuff. It's at real Latinos at R E E L L A T I N O S. So I'm next in terms of a pick. I have been perusing and I was Peru. Thing. I, oh, that would have been a, such a great transition, but no, it's not Peru. <laughs> it's another country that starts with a P. We're going to Puerto Rico. Uh, it is one of the countries that we still have not covered. So um, after Puerto Rico, I think there's only two more countries left that we need to, to that we need to cover. And um, yeah, I was. And then the podcast is over. And then yeah, then we're done, and we're packing <laughs> up our bags, and then we're just never coming back. <laughs> um, but I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited for uh, for us to fill out the map because, um, you know, we got to spread the love, spread the wealth. And um, I was going to – this is not my pick. But I was – again, I think I talked about it in another episode, but I was so tempted to pick that Daddy Yankee movie. Uh, I really want to watch it. <laughs> but, um, but again, Daddy because Yankee. of our lovely listeners, I, I really want our listeners to uh, join us on this journey, um, at least for now, you know, to, to cover up the map, right? And there were no English subtitles for this movie. There is an HD Spanish version on YouTube, but could not. I'm not going to choose it if it doesn't have English subtitles for now. Uh, so Talento del Barrio is out for now. But I did find another Puerto Rican movie. Bad Bunny. This is, sorry? Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny. Oh, man. Is there actually... Is there a documentary on Bad Bunny that we can watch? Right, but anyways, uh, no, we're not going to go there. Although I, I could, and I would. Un Por Ciento, great song with um, Grupo Frontera. Oof, my God. Anyways, um, so we're going to go watch a 2007 movie co-directed by Carlitos Ruiz Ruiz and Mariem Perez Riera. Uh, it stars Luis Guzman. It uh, oh, nice. is produced by Benicio del Toro. Lots no. of uh, big names attached to this. Um, and the synopsis says as follows. Whatever your age loves a pain in the ass, a three-part look at the ironies of love with stories that involve a young boy, a hostage situation, and a divorced elderly couple caught in a love triangle. We will be watching 2007's Mal de Amores. Mal de Amores uh, out of Puerto Rico. You can catch it on YouTube with English subtitles. Um but uh, as we learned from Rata, Ratones y Rateros, you could also probably Google it and there might be another version out there uh, that's a higher <laughs> quality and it has the subtitles there too. So um, peruse the internet. Peruse the internet um, for this Puerto Rican film. Not for the Peruvian film. But uh, yeah, we'll see y'all next week with Mal de Amores. And Guti, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at letterbox.com forward slash CG reviews. Ron, how about you? I'm on Letterbox. Ron Jimenez, all one word. And you can find me on Letterbox with my initials IVM. That's I, V as in videos, M as in movies. Thank you so much, everybody, for yet another wonderful episode of Latinos. Los queremos mucho y nos vemos hasta la próxima. Adios. 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 Real Latinos is a podcast written, produced, and hosted by Christian Gutierrez, Ron Jimenez, and Ismael Villarreal. Mixed and edited by Ron Jimenez. Artwork provided by Lisbeth Jimenez, Ron Jimenez, and Ismael Villarreal. Original music provided by Toro Romata. Muchas gracias y hasta la próxima. Guti, say it. Say it, Guti. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm a horse. Go. Horses don't talk, so, dog. Okay, so, take two. Somos real Latinos. That was very sensual, dog. <laughs> it's a sensual <laughs> movie, dude. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm, it I'm, is. I'm playing the bit. I'm, I'm going into the character, okay? God. Oh, my God.